going to review a cool documentary that's on Netflix right now called Atari Game Over. We watched a podcast about a, a video game. We watched a podcast about yeah. We watched the documentary. If, yeah, it's uh, pretty. For cool. those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, Atari was one of the was the first video game companies, and uh, famously, ET the video game, which was made back in what eighty three, was is considered the worst video game of all times. Was considered was considered, but, but it was uh, mostly like lore. It was like the the myth of the ET game and how it was literally the worst developed program design game ever played most difficult to play most like you know challenging but challenging to a point where it's not even playable and that's what most people cite as the worst game but like someone was saying in the documentary most people have never even played the game right they just jump on that bandwagon well but and also the 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 key point of this documentary is that thousands of copies of this game were dumped in a landfill in like New Mexico. Millions of, or, or something like thou- thousands, I think thousands, hundreds of, of thousands or yeah. something. And so it's always been people have sort of had this myth of it's out there somewhere and going to dig up these copies of E.T. Atari for years, uh, the former Atari folks denied it. And finally, there was an, a, a guy who just relentlessly pushed the happening of the excavation. And yeah, it there's happened a lot last of like, April. Uh, government hoops to jump through because they're digging in an old landfill right right so they're saying there could be chemicals yeah who knows whatever decaying such and such and they don't know how far they have to dig to get to this you know the games if they're there at all and they compared it to indiana jones yeah and the last crusade or the lost ark where he has to like sort of piece together from old pictures where the 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 photographer is standing in the landfill to the point where the the you know the site would have been in the in the actual yeah because they had photo- photographic evidence of it actually happening so it's sort of a mystery and sort of archaeal yeah it's a archaeological dig yeah yeah so there's a whole bunch of like parallels to some of Spielberg's movies yep. and stuff it's it's a very interesting story and a really well uh, produced and directed and edited documentary by Zach Penn. It's a very uh, well done documentary. Yeah, Zach Penn, who is a, a director writer, but also he uh, he wrote. Um, he's a screenwriter. He's a screenwriter. And a doc. He did a documentary with Werner Herzog about the Loch Ness monster, mm-hmm. which you can watch probably on Netflix or something like he that. He wrote X Men: Last Stand. And I think he wrote one of the uh, the uh, Fantastic Four films. He's written a lot. And he even said that he's written scripts for video games for newer consoles like PlayStation 2 for the movies he wrote, mm-hmm. like Wolverine, X-Men, Fantastic Four. And all those games really sucked. Like those games really <laughs> – and those are like licensed – franchise video games that are made after movies you know and so it's like another parallel to him making this movie himself because a lot of times licensed video games do suck like franchise games are bad most of the time with some exceptions and it dates back all the way to like super nintendo 
like I have an emulator on my phone where I can get Super Nintendo games, and there's so many games. There's Lethal Weapon, the game for Super Nintendo. Right. There's Demolition Man, the game. There's Alien vs. Predator, which wasn't for the movie, but they sort of just take took both movies that existed at the time of the 90s and made that. Like, there's so many movie games that they made for Super Nintendo and for Sega Genesis. Uh, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. I had, I had the Cliffhanger <laughs> game for Sega Genesis, and it was fucking really hard. And I was a kid, and I remember getting to a certain point where you have to sort of scale up the side of a fucking snowy mountain yeah. and there's guys like dropping knives like michael rooker's character or some like bad guy and like you have to sort michael of michael rooker aka merle yeah and you have to climb up the side of this wall and i got stuck there and i never got past it for sega genesis and really you can't, yeah and there's no saving there's no memory cards there's no internal hard drive or uh you know hard drive so you couldn't save you can your save progress it, yeah. so i'd die there Boo. i have to start from the beginning really and i'd never get past that yeah i never got past <laughs> that part as a kid and it so drove those me are way nuts. worse well they're like yeah, and it, but it's, it's sort of a long tradition of like of shit doing, video games yeah. after movies. After Batman movies. Returns, Batman Forever with Jim Carrey. Oof. I had that game for Sega Game Gear. Did you really? It sucked. It was unplayable. And I remember they did this thing where it's like you get a $10 rebate if you buy the game and mail it in. I remember I got that fucking rebate like four months <laughs> later and I had long given up on the game. Like long given up. And then this shows up and I was like mad at the $10. I'm like, oh yeah, this thing. <laughs> Fuck this, this thing. <laughs> And fuck that game. Like, you, I couldn't beat the first level. That's bad. It was it's really bad. PR. It's It must be like a rush to get all this stuff done it's simultaneously. Because it that's what happened. Well, I just want to quickly go through some of his credits because I was just looking at Zach up. Penn we're talking. Yeah, Zach Penn. He he did write X-Men The Last Stand. He also wrote the Incredible Hulk screenplay with Ed Norton. He did the story for Avengers. Uh, he wrote Transformers 5. Uh, he or no, he's writing Transformers Five Pacific Rim Two. Pacific Pacific Rim Two, um, the Karate Kid Two. Uh, I can't believe they're doing a two of the Next Generation. Boo. The Argonauts, Ready Player One, Dirty Dozen, the reboot of that. He's writing. Well, he's, Ready Player One. That the guy who wrote that book is in the documentary. That's of right. Yeah, the Atari Game Over documentary. Yeah. So yeah, but I, most of it's just sort of like product shilling and they have to make a video game and it's not about making a video game it's just having more merchandise to sell so that like almost will always compromise the quality of the gameplay well and and, and at the time you know because i remember very vividly the time period like it where pong was like a big thing from atari and everyone was playing that and then all of a sudden they came out with you know, Yar's Revenge, and they had. Well, I it was think, like Centipede and Gauntlet. Centipede and, Gauntlet, yeah, uh, and Space Invaders. It and was that whole initial Space Invaders, Galaga, and, right? Yeah, all and, those, all those games. And they started doing like coin game to home video game, porting and that was like games. porting it, and that was kind of like an easy in for them. Mm-hmm. But this guy who was the creator of Yar's Revenge, um, Howard Warshaw, who also created the et game that's gotten all the shit well, he was their ringer at the time he was a ringer he was very successful and he was kind of a genius he, he they didn't yep. have any history of this so the guy was just he says in the documentary that he read like manuals he read the atari manual the program and just wrote because he's an engineer yeah. by trade and so he just sort of took all that knowledge and all that genius if you will like he's like it's like that scene in uh avengers where it's like when did you become an uh, an expert on astrophysics he's like last Last night night. yeah well the thing is is this is a very different time this is pre-internet this is pre this is the early 80s this is pre any all the games you're thinking of 
nothing. This is just like very basic. Have you ever seen Pong? I mean, it's very we basic. We all know games. Pong, and it was the first uh, entertainment home console. It yeah. changed the world. And it's funny because I think about that, and I think like there's no Atari equivalent of a PS4 and Xbox One. You know, like right. the original home console entertainment company is basically a relic, like literally being dug up. Like there's that you think there would be since they were the originals. There'd be like the Atari 5000. Yeah. That runs the graphics card and has internal storage and is like a PS4, but the Atari, but it's like, it's not the, f- the fucking case. No, they were no. like hung up to dry. They were the first one, you know, like he said, the penguin, the first penguin in uh-huh. is the, usually the one that. Is oh yeah. Eaten. The first penguin. The yeah. First who penguin. dives into the water is the one that gets eaten by the sail. Sa- the seal. seal. But all, but someone's always got to do that. Kind of yeah. like you said, vanilla ice. Vanilla you know, ice was like the, the first penguin ice. of like song sampling. Right. Literally like vilified it publicly shamed and publicly like hung As and then now Howard Warshaw. and now everybody does that right everyone has samples an old song and makes it a fucking hit everybody and nobody gives it. a shit no nobody gives, gives a, a shit, shit. Vanilla, vanilla ice whether you like him or not he got he was fucking ruined he I was know. ruined by the the whole under pressure uh fucking you know queen sample right? right it's a shame which is too bad because it was a good song and and then he also got screwed by suge knight too he got he got fucked that poor guy yeah he was a heroin addict and ended up signing to icp's record label oh and, yeah you know that poor fucking guy yeah i feel nothing but you know sorry for that guy i know but so howard warshaw was really a scapegoat and, and they talk about in the documentary that he uh had five they gave him five weeks to develop this game because they wanted to, to get it out by ET. Christmas. They wanted it out for the Christmas, you know, push, the Christmas, you know, market and so you they could sell a hundred you know, three million copies. Because Yars Revenge was the first original non ported game to sell a million copies. Yeah. Which is something to know because he designed that and developed that all himself. Right. And he had another game that also sold a million plus. So like he was hitting, like he was batting a thousand at this. And they were all original concept games like he said he wrote a storyboard for yars revenge which is about these bugs and you have to kill these space bugs or whatever and when you look at the game it looks so fucking beta it, it you know does. but it, like everyone in that movie that's like 40 plus is like this changed my fucking yeah. life man yeah well i mean i remember it i i remember though the time and how revolutionary it was and i remember when the et game came out it's funny because we were talking about it. I remember when, vividly when the E.T. Came, game came out. And I remember many friends talking about it, that they were getting it and they got it for Christmas. I don't remember the conversations about how bad it was at all. The backlash. All. Well, like they were saying, like it wasn't. It was so bad that people were returning it. And that's what was like the downfall. And then so... Uh, what's his name? Ray Kassar, who was the CEO, was saying this. Oh, like, Atari at the time. Yeah, yeah, at the time, saying like, fucking et did not ruin atari like atari committed suicide it's just sort of like the perfect timing that this game didn't work right and everyone was mad at the game and everyone was mad at the game because they had such a personal connection to the movie right 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 because it's such a heartfelt and moving experience that when you get the game and it has none of the same heart or the same feel and you're like what am what the fuck am i doing with this game like i'm running away from the scientist and then the then the doctor's trying to help me or the fbi agent trying to get me and then like and you keep falling into holes and pits and shit and there's just like none of the same heart but at the time you know what's his name uh howard 
the developer had such like highfalutin ideas of making this story game. He even met with Steven Spielberg. He flew yeah. in a Learjet and met with Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg said, like, can't you just make something like Pac-Man? And it probably would have made more sense. Might have made more sense. But to those... do like an arcade game as opposed to like some sort of story based. Like you can do story games now, but with Atari, like to try to tell a story on Atari 2600. Pretty... Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And to have five weeks to do it, that's the problem. It's like five weeks. Yeah. A whole game I know. to sell in stores. And, and he did it. Children play and he did it. And, and a lot of people in documentary talk about how it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't, and like, remember they talked, they talked about how there were a lot of little Easter eggs in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a little odes to the Indiana Jones game, odes to. Well, because he did the Indiana Jones game, right? Uh, Howard, he so that they were like, "Is like, yeah, if you can do the Indiana Jones game, and that sold a million or right. three million or some, uh, you know, One crazy number. number, yeah." And then so they literally brought him in, and it's like, and he went and like met with Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg played the ET game and like signed off on it, like, and yeah. They this have is him a go. on videotape saying he yes, likes the game. I like the game. I played the game. It's a good game. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I bless this game. Yeah. Yeah, like he gives it his passing. Yeah. So, I mean, and we've talked about it. We talked about this when we were watching it, and they talk about it a bit in the film. Atari's reaction was really kind of – it's not the reaction that they would have today. You know, they immediately got scared. They freaked out at the returns, and they reacted by not – by sort of folding in. I mean, of course, it wasn't what undid them, but their reaction and then the subsequent dumping of the games. Yeah. It, you know, today they'd find a new, new way to spin it. Okay, like if you get if you get this right, then you win a this. Or, or you, you know, get like be a free something. DLC download and they'll put a patch in there and then like re-release like a new update for it and make it whatever easier. Like there's so many ways. And these big companies now, they're like freaking time more like Activision and EA and stuff. They don't give a fuck. No. They're the guys that make, you know, Call of Duty, Assassin's yeah, Creed, all the AAA games. It. Tough shit. Tough shit. And people keep buying it anyway. Right. Not only do they buy it, they pre-order it. Like there's been this huge push on the internet. Don't pre-order your games. It's bullshit. Like you're not you're you're paying for something that you don't even you haven't even played right. yet. So they're rushing to release it. There's all these glitches and f- like f- fucking like they don't have all like the weapons done or the skins done. And so they sell those separately after you spend seventy dollars on right, this right. game. It's like you're fueling a flawed fucking game sales design you know by yeah. continuing to pre-order games that aren't fucking finished right, you know right and it's true and like i would never pre-order a game like i've never have and i never would never but like th- fuck you guys but there was no power in video game companies back then they were the only game in town and they so they reacted very sheepishly like oh shit they don't like it let's run and hide yeah, whereas shit. like you're saying today people would just fuck it we have all we'll just keep making more and they'll keep buying it yeah. and i think if they did come out strong and say no we stand by this game mm-hmm. like it it's might have been a different reaction you have to learn how to play it it's a higher difficulty mm-hmm. level we're making an et2 or we're making like whatever spielberg's next yeah come out with a yeah the they'd next come out with thing. another game yeah. and that would because that's what they would do now like they make assassin's creed 3 people didn't really like it so they instantly made assassin's creed black flag right when then which is like the pirate one and people went and bought the fuck out of that game and right, like everybody right. liked it you know what i mean so like they just continue to release it that's what they do you know what i yeah. mean they don't go oh fuck we're what do we do we're done we're right. done like f- abort 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 but it was sad because this this guy howard 
was really his life was ruined in a sense by it. I mean, he talked. He's now, interestingly enough, a, a therapist in Silicon Valley. He calls and himself he's really kind of like happy. a nerd therapist. Yeah, and he can speak the very, nerd language. Yeah, he speaks the nerd language and therapy the language. Therapy language, so he can do both. But he said it took him like thirty, 30 years. years to become as satisfied as he was with that initial job. But we should say like. All those initial engineers and programmers were like rock stars. Yeah. They, they talk about that because they go back to the original Atari like building and lot and mm-hmm. stuff. And he's like, yeah, this is where we would go. Like on my job interview, I brought a joint and we smoked weed. Yeah. And we would drink and like he's like in the parties all the party. The time. And the guy who uh, the original owner of Atari said he's like if we hit this much sales quota, I'd throw them a kager and yeah, we just yeah. party and there'd be girls and there'd be drinks and it'd be the seventies or like the early like the eighties the, the early early eighties yeah. so it still kind of looked and felt like the seventies yeah, like the hair yeah. and the the shikis and stuff yeah. you know and they're smoking pot and rolling right. around and then they get up and go make these games and sell millions of copies right and so it's weird to get success like that out of the gate where you're just treated like a fucking rock star right. and then have it taken away then taken away maybe four years later and then you spend 30 years of your life trying to get back to where you were again like not even success wise right. just happiness wise well it's and, like and he said he had millions of, he had a lot of different jobs and he was also kind of blacklisted one of the guys yeah. who's he never did video games again he never did video games again or is that true i thought he did but I don't he know. never successfully I he did it yeah but I think it was one of the guys in the film, Seamus Buckley, Blackley, maybe, or someone talked about how there's all these awards for video game pioneers. Yeah, like and Hall he's of Fame, never included. Lifetime Achievement. No, he's never been mentioned or honored or acknowledged. Which is unfair. Which, which is, is unfair, and, unfair and like really un- unrealistic. Yeah, the guy is clearly a pioneer. And he was in the very, very beginning foundations of home video game consoling, which yeah. is, the you know, now it's becoming more like... Uh, app games and stuff that's right, like, right. the next frontier yeah, yeah. but for real like I, you know console gaming is the fucking market shareholder you know yeah. what I mean like and yeah. it probably will be forever as far as I'm concerned but yeah he totally got fucked man it's weird how life deals you a bag of shit and so when they're at the excavation site and there's like thousands of fans waiting like to nerd see, boy yeah. nerd fans and the guy that wrote uh uh, Ready Player One. He, he drove there. down he drove in, in a, the Delo- He got George R. R. Martin's George R. So George R. R. Martin is also in the film, which cameo. is like total like nerd cred cameo yeah. thing. It was so <laughs> funny, and so he picks and he picks up a DeLorean from George R. R. Martin. That's like the most nerd sense I've ever said in my life. And then he drives down to New Mexico. Or yep, yeah, New, New Mexico. Mexico in this little town, and goes and he's there for the excavation and he too. Et a stuffed et next to him in the yeah, seat, wearing the hoodie, Elliot yep. hoodie. And when he gets there, it's literally like this line, a mile line of people, right. kids. There's all different ages too, which is funny, like little children. Oh yeah, and all guys, different ages. Total forty plus guys that were like young grew up folks. on the movie, young folks, old or old yeah. older people in their fifties. And it was funny because they kept looking and then first they found like a joystick top, a joystick topper like in the dirt. And then they found like a piece of an Atari and then they found one game and like we found E.T. And they were, everyone were going freaked wild. out. Yeah. And then they interviewed Howard, the guy, yeah. and he was like got really was emotional. Yeah, he was. He was like, this, this is my whole life. Yeah. Down it was this... like buried. Yeah. You know, and now 30 years later to come back around and see it, like lift it up and see all these people that are really into it. Yeah. And are like inspired by it and like want 
want to know more about it and play the game and see what it was really all about. He's right. like, that, that is like emotional. He I got know. emotional, you know? I know. Poor and, guy. He looks so different. I and know. like, yeah, it's, it was a He's really, had a hard time. Had a hard I hope go. this film gives him the notoriety he deserves or the, uh, you know, the hats on the back yeah, that like he deserves. Yeah, like a second life. It, it should. I mean, yeah. it's sort of like that other video game, the Donkey Kong video, or not video game, the Donkey Kong documentary mm-hmm. about the uh, video game high scores. I think it's called like High Score or something mm. like that. And uh, it's really sort of emotional documentary about the, um, the there's this video game council that sort of keeps all the records Mm -hmm. and there's this one guy in the small town who's like trying to break a million points on donkey kong really like and he does it but he he tapes it and usually tapes are allowed yeah sends in the tape and then he gets a a message back saying like sorry we cannot use this as credit like you you didn't break it officially even though it was on tape what does that mean he didn't break it because the guy who runs like the council is like best buds with the guy who holds the record no you gotta watch it yeah and then the guy that holds the record's a super like hot shot like video gamer because he holds the record for pac-man and he holds the record for yeah all these different games yeah you gotta watch and this guy who broke the record and then was told he didn't he's such a like down in the dumps guy and he has two kids and a wife and he has a really hard time and then uh and then so he has to go to like the video game uh, this place this arcade in like fucking Rhode Island or something and uh-huh. prove to and beat it in person like you have to do it in person or something like that and he doesn't do it and he, he can never oh, do it no. and he only gets so much time and then he goes back and he does do it at home and then that's accepted but it's funny because the guy who holds the record right. submitted his tape and his tape was accepted and like what? yeah yeah his tape was accepted by the guy because they're like best buddies known each other 20 years oh, and his corruption. record yeah it was totally like that you gotta watch it and um actually that documentary uh south park cites that as being the inspiration for the bono number two episode i I was literally just gonna say that sounds like the bono number two episode and it is and it is that's what south park is they watch it and there's a lot of like a pathos and emotion and stuff in that documentary and it's all about this fucking arcade game donkey kong damn and he ends up beating the record by like two hundred thousand points and so this guy is <laughs> Randy now marsh yeah. really gets the biggest number of currics and yeah, doesn't really the biggest win. crap yeah <laughs> and then he doesn't win because bono submits one bono. Yep. he's like i have actually taken the biggest crap again and oh, like here's shows you the genius of them too yeah and that documentary that is genius it's it's a but, really so what's the final verdict of it does he end up getting yeah he, he does. does but he doesn't okay. do it at the like he he hits a million okay which should be the record but since this sketchy guy submitted a video of like a million something he yeah. still technically didn't beat it but Boo. really he did because that guy the fucking hotshot guy he was never willing to play live like he never played live to, sh- to beat the record where this other poor schlub was. Ha- was playing live all day and all okay. night and this guy would show up and sort of watch over his shoulder like oh eight hundred thousand, okay he hasn't broke it yet and he's like hey billy you want to play he's like i gotta go like he wouldn't play him back like that's live, like back rocky and apollo creed it's super sketch yeah it's totally it's so funny <laughs> rematch like, yeah they never do it and then he wow. goes home and he beats it and he gets the and he has he holds the record now for Does Donkey he, well Kong. what is what do you get for holding nothing. the record you okay get nothing. <laughs> you get absolutely so we're nothing. not talking about like a lot of money no there's nothing it's just like pride and it's stakes pride. and like your three-letter code at the top right that's, that's all you that's get. That's a lot to gamers. A S S. That's that was mine. 
<laughs> I was. Well, that's the only funny thing I could think of with three letters. No. So uh, it's really worth seeing. It's it's emotional. It's heartfelt. It's well done. And it's informative. It's informative. You learn Even a lot if you're not a fan of video games, I mean, no, and, you, you know don't have to be. what is interesting to me. It's like, and this is where this documentary kind of fits into our format perfectly because I was uh, a young teenager at the time that this came out. So I was like target audience, even though I was a girl. And so I remember Atari days, very like the early days, very vividly. You, you know, you were were not alive, alive, but you, but you were aware of the myth of this when you started playing video games. Yeah. And I still grew up on Sega Genesis and NES, Super Nintendo. And I've sort of always had a console for every generation that's occurred. Out up up to PlayStation Three, uh-huh. so I don't have the current gen console, but yeah, as a kid, if anyone wants had, to, yeah, sponsor any, any sponsors, we can review games. Oh, you know, by the way, we should mention that this documentary was Xbox first um, production, production, like a Netflix direct thing. to um, box production, Xbox yeah. Live, Xbox Live, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. That's a very interesting thing because yeah. it shows you because Sony PlayStation has a their own original program too that you mm-hmm. can get on the PlayStation Store and it stars Charlotte Copley from nice. all the Blanca movies, yeah. uh, Blanca movies, and it's like a superhero show. I haven't watched it, but it's like produced by Sony PlayStation. Really? Yeah, okay. man. Like they're all getting in while getting, getting in. Good. Everyone's getting into the content creation game. Yeah, it just seems to be work. Yeah, good model. So uh, I would give that documentary a nine and a half, maybe. Yeah, nine, 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 and a half. nine, nine and a half. At least a nine. At least I'd say a solid nine. It's a real story. It's a real it's, story. Yeah, it's not just like oh, gamers will love it. It's like you've really like in, in, invested because it's about business too. It's yeah. about the business yes. of Atari. It's not just yes. about this ET game. ET is sort of like. The metaphor for right. you know the face and the metaphor of the whole company sort of sinking into yep. time and just sort of being buried. Atari's yeah. been buried, you know. It's like hipsters wear Atari shirts as sort of like an ironic thing, but like Atari was the biggest. It was worth hundreds of hundreds millions of, of million. dollars. Yeah, yeah, you can't like it's hard to understand the magnitude of how huge they were. Yeah, they were the biggest game in town, literally. And and when this happened, it, like and just they also they cite in the film about how the burial was like literally like Atari's funeral. Yep, yep, burying their secrets. So the on the excavation was really like uncovering like Tutankhamun's tomb, you know, or the lost ark, <laughs> or the like lost the ark, lost fucking ark, man. And, well, even at the end, they show all the different boxes in a warehouse. Yeah, and this warehouse like, and this guy like packing an a box to the end of Raiders, and then stacking it on top yeah. of a box, and then walking away. Yeah, and the credits roll. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, it's very it's, well done. It's very well done. Anyone would enjoy that. So that's Atari Game Over, now available on Netflix. 